This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Was going to get political tonight, and he is not going to get political tonight because politics has nothing to do with the Torah at all. Therefore, it's just a waste of time. So there was a very big nisayin, very big test that I think we were all put into. Um, for the last five, six months, maybe the last year, culminating with the elections last night. See, I told you I wouldn't talk politics. <laughs> and I think that maybe a lot of us have failed. And I'll tell you what the test is. You see, to a Jew, it really does not matter who the president is. At all, whatsoever. We, since our kings, since the destruction of the base of have lived in many lands under many presidents and many kings, and they all weren't Jewish. Some were Muslim, some were Christian, some were neither. And it really doesn't make a difference. The people, the Iranians, the, the Persians that are here, will tell you that the Shah of Iran was the best person that ever existed for the Jews. He was a Muslim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world, not the President of the United States. And therefore, all the people that, were, that are saying and that are thinking, and this is my opinion, of course, and that are saying and that are thinking that this president, for whatever reasons, we don't like him. Now that he became president, I'm packing up and going to Eretz Yisrael. And that's the reason I'm packing up and going to Eretz Yisrael. And I guess Mashiach is coming. Is a little bit apicarsis. I will step out and tell you it's a little bit apicarsis. Because that means that you don't believe that HaKadosh Baruch Hu put him as president. And you don't believe that what it says, that Leif Sarim, the Yad Hashem. That the hearts of kings and presidents belong to Hashem. So if you're worried about Obama, means that you think that Obama can do something to the Jews without the permission of Hashem. And if he has the permission of Hashem to do something to the Jews, then McCain can have the same permission. doesn't matter who's sitting there. So it's a little bit apicarsis that everybody freaked out that Obama became president. Because it really makes no difference what human being sits there. He will do what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants him to do. So I don't know what all this craziness is. I don't understand it being brought up as a Jewish boy and being brought up in the world of Torah where I'm brought up that God runs the world not the Democrats and not the Congress and not the Senate and not anything else therefore you should have been worried about something much bigger and I think that everybody missed the boat there's nowhere in the Torah or anywhere that it says that if you have a black president you should leave your land and go to Eretz Yisrael. <laughs> doesn't say it anywhere. You can look it up, check it out. And it doesn't say either that if you have a Muslim president, he's not, but if he was, even let's say he was, doesn't say anywhere in the Torah that Golis is over and it's time to go to Eretz Yisrael. You all should have gone to Eretz Yisrael a long time ago, but not because of a president. My daughter, sixth grader, all of a sudden, the whole school, everybody wants Mashiach. Because Obama became president. 
So now there's a new animamim. The twelfth animamim. Animamim Rishalem, I believe, with a full belief, that Mashiach is coming. Because Obama became the president. It's not what it says in animamim. Even though it took this long, right? With all this stuff that's going on, this president, that president, absolutely makes absolutely no difference whatsoever. I do not understand why and what is going on in Kleistro. What are you worried about? Not only that, I'll tell you something even more interesting. That next week in some Ash- in not in some in all Ashkenaz shuls that after laning on Shabbos, make a Mishaberach for the president, there's such a Mishaberach that's written, that the Nasi of the country I live in, Hashem should put in his heart the right judgments, and the Chesed, and all this stuff, and in, in young Israels and in modern shuls, they say this Mishaberach, and you know what? It doesn't matter who the president is. They said the Mishaberach when Carter was president, you said Mishaberach when Obama was president, it doesn't make a difference, because you understand that we're asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu that he's the one, it's all you Hashem, it's all you. It has nothing to do with the guy in the White House. And all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. Kleistro lost it. And all of a sudden, it's if he makes it, I'm not going to Israel. Mashiach's not coming. Really. And if Obama makes it, that means Mashiach is coming. That is, I don't care what anyone says. That's Amaratzis. And that's, that's Kenegat Hashem. But there was something yesterday. There was something yesterday that as Jews, if it was voted, then, according to the Torah, we would have all had to pack our bags tonight. And that, for some reason, nobody knows about, nobody cares about, and nobody talks about. Now, I, I hate to use certain words in, in you know, in a shear, but um, I have to read it the way it's written. And I have to tell you, this is very important. Why is this very important? Because there was a place in this week's parasha, and in next week's parasha, and it was called Sidoim. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu said that I see in this country called Sidaim and Amira, they are doing immoral things. And therefore they have to be destroyed. And therefore Abraham Avinu sent a message to light. I know for sure that Hashem is going to destroy Sidaim. Get out. Run for your lives. Run to Eretz Yisrael. Pack your bags, Jews in America. Not if Obama's president. But I'll tell you if what. I stood here about six months ago, and there was a vote. There wasn't a vote. The Supreme Court of California, of the state of California, passed a law that gays, men and men, and women and women, can legally, halachically, according to, Jew, according to American law, get married. Mr. and Mrs., however, Mr. and Mr., Mr. and Mrs., Mrs., I don't know exactly. Uh, I don't know what they write on the invitation. It can really mix you up a little bit, who you write the check out to. But the, the, San, the, the, not San Francisco, not the city of San Francisco, but the state of California, which is full of Jewish people, the state of California, Supreme Court, the people of the, of, of the, the, the law of the land, the law of Sedaim, Paskin Lahalacha. That a man can legally marry a man and a woman can legally marry a woman. And I stood up here six months ago and I said in this year and in many other shiurim, and even when I was in Eretz Yisrael, I said the party is over. 
America is not going to be powerful anymore. America is going to lose a lot of money. You can listen to the tape. And I said, the reason is because if the Supreme Court of California can go against Hashem and make it legal to Avas Hashem that a man can marry a man and a woman can marry a woman, it's over. Now, how can Rabbi Wallstein get up and say it's over? Because there's a Beferish Rambam. And the Rambam says that a woman with a woman, the reason that a woman with a woman getting married is not allowed is because there's a mitzvah in the Torah that says, in the ways of the mitzvah, you shall not go. Says the Rambam, what does that mean, the ways of the mitzvah? What does that mean? They walk like an Egyptian? Well, what does that mean, the ways of the Egyptian? Says the Rambam, that the Egyptians at the end, when Hashem decided, that's it, they're finished, was when they legalized, it's a Rambam, they legalized women marrying women. Became, it's a marriage. Says the Rambam, that a woman with a woman, halachically, is over uh, mitzvah's loisah say in the Torah that says that you're not allowed to go in the ways of the mitzvah. Which, me- which meant to me that if the state of California voted that a woman can marry a woman and a man can marry a man, according to the Rambam, that was the last straw in Mitzrayim, that's going to be the last straw in America. We're done. Pack your bags and go to Eretz Yisrael. Because whatever's happening in Eretz Yisrael, Baruch Hashem, they didn't pass in that. We have to get out of here. What happened? That was passed by the Supreme Court. The people of California, the righteous people of California, said, you can't have a bunch of judges paskening a halacha, making a law of such a thing. The whole state of California has to vote. Is it legal for a woman to marry a woman and a man to marry a man? And yesterday they had that vote. And how many people in this room were watching or listening to find out how that vote went? Because that's the only vote that counted that you should pack your bags and go to Eretz Yisrael. Because if the state of California, the people of California in the United States of America voted that men can marry men and women can marry women, the te'eva of Hashem, the, the thing that disgusts God, that every Jew in this room would have to pick up themselves, get a bag, pack up, and get out of here. Because it won't be long until what's going to happen, what happened to Stone is going to happen to America, what happened to Mitzrayim. And yesterday, the Californians, some of the most liberal people in the world, went out to vote. And that's the only election and only voting that Rabbi Wallerstein was very, very interested in. And I'm going to tell you what happened. Hey, let me uh, give the news. <laughs> Los Angeles voters put a stop to same-sex marriage in California, dealing a crushing defeat to gay rights activists in the state that hoped there would be a vanguard, in order they would set an example, and putting in doubt as many as eighteen thousand marriages that happened since the Supreme Court of California said they could do, they could get married. 18,000 of them got married. And now, not only do the voters of California say no to this, but they want to be able to go back and annul, because now it's not, a, it's not a law, to annul all their marriages. The gay rights movement had a rough election as well on Tuesday. 
gay marriage was banned, which means it's not allowed to happen, were approved, Baruch Hashem, in Arizona, and in Florida, and in Arkansas. They went ahead in Arkansas, and I don't know the people of Arkansas, but they should be benched. They went ahead, and hey, 100%, this is, this, this is, this, we're on the line here, because had this, had this passed, I'm telling you right now, it's over. It's Saddam. You have to get. You have to get out of here. There's, there's nothing to talk about. This is the Rambam said. This was the last straw in Mitzrayim. I mean, this this is Saddam. If this would have passed, not only that, but they said very clearly that if it passes in California, then they're going to bring it to all 47 states. The rest of the besides these three states, and America would approve men marrying women. Then you're not allowed to live here as former Jews. You're not allowed to live here. If it becomes a law. If it becomes voted in a country, if it's done, so they're doing averis. That's not that country. There are many lands that do averis. But if the land itself says it's legal, that's what Sadaim did, then there's no tshuva. The reason the world was destroyed, I said this two weeks ago, why Hashem says in Rashi, the reason the world was destroyed was because people were stealing things that were less than a penny. They did every averis. They did avodizara. They killed people. They committed adultery. They did every sin that you can imagine. Hashem didn't destroy the world. He was waiting. He was patient. Maybe they'll do tshuva. They went ahead and they went to a store and the guy took one grape and then the next guy came and took one grape and then the next guy came. So never, by the end of the day the guy had no grapes left in the store but he couldn't take anyone to court because every grape was less than a penny. Right? So that Rashi says Hashem said have a nice day I'm destroying the whole world because they took grapes. They were doing terrible averis. And the answer is that once they were doing something wrong that was legal, why would they do tshuva? If it's legal, there's no reason to do tshuva. So Hashem said, what am I waiting for? They're not going to stop doing this. This is legal. So had this been passed yesterday and become legal in the United States of America, then they will never do tshuva. Then this country would not exist for very long. There's nothing to talk about. Vorok Hashem, it's amazing. I was shocked. Because you have to remember, this is California. I was shocked, and it's a huge Kiddush Hashem, that these people went out and voted against it, and totally, totally turned this whole thing away. Now, this whole campaign was called Yes, that to ban, not to allow these marriages, and this is what Frank Schubert, I don't usually do this, but I think this is important. This guy Frank Schubert seems to have been one of the guys, the head... You know, there are Goyim that are tzaddikim too, maybe he's Jewish, that were the head of this going against allowing gay marriages. And this is what he said. When they came to him and they said, you sh- it's shocking that you won, he answered the following. I guess people really do believe in the institution of marriage. That was the reason to run away. Uh, again, I'm not telling you what to do. That was what everyone should have been watching yesterday. That's what they should have been talking about in the schools. And that's what they should have been talking about in the shuls. And they should have said, yeah, yeah. They should have said, say to Hillim that this land that we live in, that this Te'evas Hashem, this terrible Avera, which discuss HaKadosh Baruch Hu, shouldn't pass. Chas V'Shalom in the land where we, we learn Torah, we do mitzvahs, that this land should vote that such a thing is legal. Everybody missed the boat. Nobody even knew what was voted yesterday. Nobody cared. They worried about the president, who has no power, because his slave, his heart belongs to Hashem. This is what everyone should have worried about. I think it was a test.
I think we need to be more focused. Not about our lives and our physical lives and our houses, but to be more focused while we're on this world. To be focused on God. The reason that you're supposed to want Mashiach is not because you're scared of riots and not because you're scared of a holocaust. The reason you're supposed to want Mashiach is brought down in all the Sfarim is only one reason. Because you feel the pain of God, that God is stepped on and God is ridiculed and God is questioned and there are so many atheists in the world and there are so many Jewish kids who are not sure that there's a Hashem and that when Mashiach comes, the world will say, Hashem Echad, Ushmo Echad. And that's the only reason a Jew is supposed to want Mashiach. And if you want it for any other reason, it's apicarsis. If it's for a private reason because you, you can't pay your mortgage, and if Mashiach comes, there won't be any mortgages, it's apicarsis. If you're in the middle of, a, of apicarsis, um, heresy. If you're in the middle of a college... And you're about to take a test and you're not prepared. If Mashiach comes, there won't be any more college and that's why you want him. Or you're sick or somebody's sick in your family and that's why you want him. That'd be curses. There's only one reason that we're allowed to want Mashiach and that is because God is suffering and the world denies that he's here. And therefore, that has nothing to do with Obama. Obama did not get up and say there is no God. McCain didn't say there is a God. Bush didn't say anything either. It's not about them. It's about bringing HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the world. And if that's what it's about, then what's the difference today and five years ago? And two years ago? And 20 years ago? And 100 years ago? Who cares who the president is? Doesn't make a difference if that's what you want Mashiach for. And that's the reason a Jew wants Mashiach. Is that the whole world should find an Hashem Echad Yeah, so it's very possible that now that the money situation in the world isn't good, so people will stop looking in their pockets and maybe they'll look a little bit up more into Shemayim. 100%. 100%. But to be scared that Mashiach is coming, I, I, I'm scared when I heard this, that all the, the little Jewish kids are scared. And 12th graders are scared, and 10th graders are scared. What are you scared? Mashiach's coming. Why are you scared of Mashiach? Because, because I'm no good. So don't be scared. Be prepared. Start doing tshuva. Get close to Hashem. What are you scared about? Get close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. People are going out, they're buying rifles, sort of shotguns. One guy told me he just bought a house on the border of, 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 of Canada. So if he has to run, he has a house on Canada. That's what it says when Mashiach comes by a house in Canada. Why are we scared? Take your Tehillim, take your Siddur, talk to Akash Baruch Hu, Biyado of Kidruchi. I'm more scared when I go to sleep at night. I said, Biyado of Kidruchi, Hashem, listen, I'm scared. I'm sleeping, my, my soul is out. Maybe I'm not going to get it back tomorrow. You know what? I'm not scared. Biyado of Kidruchi, you got my soul, you give it back. It's in good hands. The world's in good hands. Scared's not going to change anything. The only thing that's going to change something is tefillah. Getting close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So if Obama causes you to get close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he should be gebenched. <laughs> Even in Haman, right? You drink on Purim, because there's a little bit, you know, Baruch Haman. 
Because Haman caused us to do tshuva. So if Obama caused you to do tshuva, Baruch Hashem. It's the best thing that ever happened. I can't get anyone to do tshuva. Obama got someone to do tshuva. Amazing. It doesn't matter who the president is. It doesn't matter who the Congress is. You have to vote and you have to damit Hashem that he should take care of us. And he'll take care of us. It doesn't make a difference. Because we don't know who's good and who's bad. We don't know what's going on in somebody's heart and somebody's soul. And just to judge him because he's black, has to show him. That's not something that Klai does. That's not who we are. So if that's... We don't know who's good. Who knows? People talk good. They do bad. People talk bad. Again, I didn't vote for... Don't get me wrong. I didn't vote for him. I'm not saying that I voted for him. But you can see, if you look at the Yad Hashem, right? There's a Yad Hashem here. The man came from nowhere. From absolutely nowhere. How he even became a senator is amazing. So you see there's a Yad Hashem. So now... You, you, this is your father, and you're going to say, yeah, the Yad Hashem is to kill all the Jews. That's why Hashem's doing it. He wants to kill us all. So we put this man in. Chas v'shalom. What happened to Abitachan and Amuna? Chas v'shalom. Hashem put him there. He put him there for a reason. I don't know the reason, but he has the reason. I don't know what everyone's so scared about. I was much more scared about what was going to happen in California. Because Chas v'shalom, that would have gone the other way. I would have gotten up here tonight and told you, pack your bags. Because we just became Sadaim. And next week's Pasha, you see what happens to Sadaim. And I don't think anyone here wants to turn it to a pillar of salt. <laughs> you want to ask a question? I, I just don't understand. Isn't there a relationship between who the president is and one of these types of things that are moral decay? Doesn't it filter down to the state of California that put this before? Isn't there a relationship between who your president is and what filters down to your states and, and these kind of proposals? So I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Well, first of all, the president that these proposals came were not with him, it was with the other president. And the actual Supreme Court that voted it in happened by Bush, who was anti. So you see that there's no, there's no correlation. But what you're asking is just an interesting thing, which is a point that I want to make. It's in this week's parsha. This week's parsha, Ramavino tells Sarah Imenu to say that she's his sister, right? Because he knows that they're going to kill him to get her. So, Paro asked Avram, how could you make such a, why did you make such an assumption about me? Why would you make such an assumption about me that I'm the kind of king, you don't know me, that I'm going to, I'm going to kill a man to get his wife? And Avram Avinu said, look at the land and look at the people, you know the king. So by the, by, by the land saying no yesterday, it really threw a twist into, into the thinking that America... It's not Eretz Yisrael by a long shot. It's not the land of our forefathers, and it's not Mashiach. And I'm, I'm not protecting America. But the mice come down to it. It still says in God we trust on their coins, even though they're worth fifteen trillion dollars less. They still trust in God. He, they, somebody told me God took all the money, right, to Shemayim, and now He's going to redistribute it. Okay, whatever. However, they figure. But and and Lamaisa, they stood up to something that's amazing. And in Europe, they didn't stand up to this. And the Americans in, in California and in Arkansas, and these states, got up, and 27 other states got up and said, no, absolutely not. You are not. One, a man is not marrying a man, not in my state. That's not happening. It's not legal. And not only that, they went ahead in Arkansas, and they took it a step further, and they said, if you're not married, man to woman, you can't adopt a child. 
So single mother, a single girl cannot adopt a child. And a single man cannot adopt a child. So they ask them, why did you, you, you try to pass such a thing? Maybe you have a girl, she's 35 years old, she's not married, she wants to adopt a child. And they said, really, we, it, we, we sort of hid it in this because we knew that if this passed, that you have to be married man to woman, then automatically it, they, they can't have the same marriages. So they, they went in a roundabout way to do it. So, Baruch Hashem, there's still people out there that, um, that are voting, that are, that are moral. We still live in a sort of moral, as un- immoral as it is, but a sort of moral country. And how come nobody was worried about that, that vote? How come nobody spoke about it? That was the vote to watch yesterday. That was to have your bags packed, because if that would have gone the other way, you have to get out of here. Mama should have done. Okay, anyway. I'm not telling you not to go to Israel. You should go to Israel without Obama being there. That's what I don't understand. Like, like when everything was great five years ago, when everybody was flipping their houses and the mortgages, every, the mortgage guys, the young guys were making millions, the real estate guys were making millions. All my friend, the brokers were making millions, and the stuff was flying, the Lexuses and the clothing, and everything was happening. Nobody talked about Mashiach. What happened? Nobody was scared. Nobody was running to Israel. Nobody was buying tickets. Nobody was doing Aliyah. What? Because it, because everybody was doing well, that means you don't want Mashiach? So that's apicarsis. That's apicarsis. All of a sudden you're not doing well, and what you didn't, what you want didn't come true, so that means Mashiach's coming? Where does that mean Mashiach's coming? Mashiach's coming every single day when things are good, when things are bad, when he's president, when he's president, you say him out every day. Not just when, when, when this guy becomes president. You say it every single day. I think we lost focus on, on Hashem. We lost focus on who really counts. Hashem really counts. I don't think it bothered Hashem. I don't know, but I don't think it bothered Hashem that Obama became president because he wouldn't have become president if Hashem didn't want. But I think it would have really bothered Shemayim if that thing would not have passed in California. It would have really bothered Shemayim very much into the earth, into the ground, into the Matthias of America. There's nothing to talk about. And I'm never, ever will you hear on any of my shirm that I have spoken political. This is the first time. You will never hear me talk political. Because politics mean zero. It's bluff. It's all bluff. Lev, sorim, biyad, Hashem. So what am I wasting my time? But the laws of a land? The dine de machus dina? That's not a bluff. And to live in a country where the dina de machusa dina is to allow a te'evas Hashem, you're not allowed to live in such a country. That was the most important vote yesterday, and I think a lot of people missed the boat. Okay, I know I'm going to get a lot of emails tomorrow. That's what I feel, what should I tell you? I'm trying to look at it from a, from a, from a religious, from a Tayyadika eye. From a Tayyadika eye, we're not scared of presidents. Because we really don't know if they're good or if they're bad. From a Torah eye, we're scared of our virus. We're scared of sins. And we're scared of immorality. And that's what we're scared of. Okay. Pasha's Lech Lecha, how you doing? Pasha's Lech Lecha. Lech Lecha, me'atzecha, me'ladecha, me'beis avicha, ela'oretz asher ha'eka, ha'kadosh baruchu came to Avraham Avinu. And he told Avraham Avinu, you have to leave your atzecha, your land, me'ladecha, the place that you were born, and when Beis someone told me yesterday, ooh, the whole election, it came out in Lech Lecha, that means we have to leave. Give me a break. <laughs> Give me a break. 
<laughs> right? When I'm doing to come out of Pasha's Noah, means we have to rest? We shouldn't go anywhere? You know, after the election, uh, I, I don't think so. I mean, people are saying all kinds of stuff. They did, they did gematria, something, someone sent me Obama's, the gematria of this, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Let Hashem run his world. Davin Takush Baruch he loves us, and he should take care of us, and he should do what's good for us. That's all you need to know. You don't need to know anything else. Zero, nothing else. Hashem is our Father. You don't need to know anything else. Damn Hashem. Take out Yitzhilim. Say, Kishboch, I love you. I don't know this guy. I don't know anything about him. I don't know anything about the Senate and the Congress and all this stuff. That's all bluff. They're all going through the motions, you know. Hashem runs the world and we run around. And that's what all that stuff is. And we need to be close to Kishboch and say, Hashem, I want to pack my bag because you know what? It's, I've had enough that the whole world doesn't believe in you. I believe in you, and I want everyone else to see you. That's the only reason. And you're in Golis, and you're never seeing your children on the streets, and you're watching your children suffer, and you're watching people have cancer, and you're watching Shalom Bayez break, and you're watching all these Jewish people suffering on Hashem. That's part of Hashem Shechina, and Hashem, I don't want you to suffer anymore. And that's why I want Mashiach. And then you'll bring Mashiach. But if it's for a personal thing, because I'm scared, because there's going to be riots, it's, 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 it's wrong. Beferish wrong. Chavot Chaim says it's wrong. Chavot Chaim had a had a little suitcase waiting. There was no Obama, and there was no stock market, and he wasn't invested, and he didn't lose a trillion dollars. He lived in Rodden. I don't know if there was even a governor in Rodden, or a mayor in Rodden, or a police chief in Rodden. And he had a suitcase. Why do you have a suitcase packed? Because Hashem, Hashem, Hashem needs to 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 Mishik has to come for Hashem. He has to be Golo. The world has to see him. That's it. That's the whole thing. And the Zayar says that in the time of Mashiach, doesn't talk about Obama, doesn't talk about anything, it says that the people who have a Muna in Hashem will make it. And the people who don't have a Muna in Hashem will be lost. That's the whole business. Not the people who voted Democrat will make it and the ones who voted in Poland won't make it. A Muna in Hashem. Get closer to Kosh Baruch that is what this is all about. That is the whole test over here. And that was the test of Avraham Avinu when Akash came to him and said, you got to leave everything that you know behind. And you got to start new. And I'm not even going to tell you where you're going. And this is brought down in Abbas Chaim. This is an Isayan. We know that everything Avraham Avinu went through is an example for us what we're going to go through. And every single person that wants to grow in Yiddishkeit, in Judaism, and get close to Hashem, at one point in their life, is going to have to leave their old, well-known behaviors. And that's what this Pasha is telling us. That Avraham Avinu's growth from being a man who lived in Haran, right, who was not really well-known at all, to become the Av Hamon Goyim, the father of the whole world, Hashem said, for that kind of growth, you have to leave your learned behaviors. For a person to grow, it's very scary. You're used to a certain way, and you're used to a certain way of life. And sometimes to actually grow, you have to step out of those drachim, of those ways that you have taught yourself, whether it's being lazy or being cheap or having an anger, whatever it is, you have to be able to leave. doesn't mean you have to run out of your parents' house. That's not what it means. It's, it's a whole different translation of what base of Vicha means. But you have to get rid of some of your old stuff. One of the biggest problems with people who get married a little bit older is that they have learned behaviors. So for the man and the woman to be, to get together and be at peace with each other, when each one of them has already learned behaviors, they're not willing to give that up, you got a major show and bias problem. 
So therefore, when people get married very young, I'm not telling you that it works out better, but they don't have any learned behaviors. Their learned behaviors happen while they're, while they're growing up together, while they're being married together. And I many times get involved in Shiduchim, and we have these 45-year-old guys, <laughs> you can't change them. <laughs> they have their ways, and they have their ways, and that's it, you know, and it doesn't change. And you can't grow like that. You can't grow like that. you got to sometimes leave those behaviors behind. Said Hashem to Avram Avinu, you're going to have to leave everything behind. You know what he had? He had a yeshiva with 10,000 Talmidim. 10,000 Talmidim. And he had to leave. He had everything going. He had Ornava, or Yitzchak, or Teres Nava. He had everything rocking. Imagine Hashem would come to me, I wish he would, in a dream and say, Out. Leave our novel. Leave, our, leave everything that you're doing. All the teaching, everything. So where am I going, Hashem? Israel? Yeah? I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you where you're going. You know how hard that is? To get up, I said, there's another thing that I really learned from this whole thing. You know, everybody's talking. Everybody's talking. So this guy was telling me he bought a gun and he bought cans of food and he's got water in his basement. And I'm serious. You're laughing. And he bought gold coins because in the Holocaust you couldn't get a loaf of bread for a, for a suitcase of money. But gold, they would trade, and cigarettes, and he's going, he's ready for the Holocaust. He was mamish ready for the Holocaust. And I, and I said to him, I said, I don't think, I don't think you'll find one Jew that came out of the Holocaust. I've always spoken to survivors where he said, you know how I got out? I had a shotgun and a grenade. <laughs> I made a decision, Hashem put in my head to jump off the train. Hashem put in my head to hide under the bench. Hashem put in my head not to go into that house. It's all Hashem. You can have guns and gold and water and tuna and cans and buy a house, buy a house up in, uh, in, in, in Canada and all this stuff. That's, that, that means you don't believe. No. So he said, no. A person has to do his shtablus. I love that word. His shtablus. So I said, so then why didn't you buy a tank? <laughs> Why'd you stop? What are you going to do with a rifle? You're going to shoot one guy. Get a tank. Have a big tank in front of your house and everybody wants to message you. You blow him up. Like, where's your shtablus end? I think a person's hishtadlis is as big as his bitachim. So, he wasn't 100% wrong, I have to tell you the truth, because we're going to learn in a Pasha soon, that when Yaakov Avinu went against Esau, he did three things. First, he tried to bribe him. And, no, actually, first he davened. He tried to bribe him and make, make, no, first he tried to bribe him, then he davened, and then he prepared for war. So there is such a, but come on, I mean, you know, you have to be a little, in your head, you have to, you have to believe in it, you have to have it be talking about Akash Baku. So what I was going to tell you is like this, so, so, you know, you hear these stories in the Holocaust and you're saying like, what was wrong with these people? Why didn't they run? Why didn't they leave? So, so I was sitting in this room with a bunch of men, whatever, and this was last week when they knew already Obama was probably going to win. And there was a big, you know, this is a big machlekes, this is, everyone's very busy with this. There was a big machlekes, you know, blah, 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 they're going back and forth. And, and they all said, you know, if he becomes president, Holocaust, that's it. He's going to get up the first day, kill the Jews. I'm like, what are you out of here, more? Like, where did it? Right? The first day, the president of the United States, okay, whatever. And, 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 and we can't wait till January when he becomes president. We have to leave now. You have to buy tickets and we're going and we're that. And this guy was that. And, all right, and I'm, and I'm saying to myself, let's say I believe that. Would I go home now? I have my grandchildren and my children. Would I go home, pack them all up? And move to Edsel in a big apartment. I would say, let's wait. Let's see what happens. Let's see what goes on. Exactly what they did in the Holocaust. 
So, you know, we judge the people in the Holocaust. Why didn't you run, right? Because because we don't we wouldn't run either. Because the hardest thing to do is to leave your country, your birthplace, and your, and your family. So, sitting in that room and thinking to myself that he would have to really get up and do something, right? There's a constitution, you know, but that's what they said in Germany. There's a constitution. They also had a constitution, right? And when Hitler got up, there went the constitution. So I was saying to myself, how hard it would be for me to make that move. Sell my house. I'm not going to get a lot of money because all the other people in Flatbush are selling their house, right? So I'm not going to get much money. And then pack up all my stuff. My business is here. My children are here. My grandchildren are here. I would wait till Mamish the last minute. And of course, you wait. that's what happened. You wait till the last minute and you ended up in a concentration camp. So I said to myself, look at this week's parsha. So I used to always learn this week's parsha. Big deal. Hashem said, leave your family, leave your house, leave your birthplace. Come on, that's not a big test. Big deal. So you went to Israel. You know how many young couples move, go to Israel to learn? They leave everybody, right? It's not a big deal. So this, when we had this discussion in that room, now I understood this Nisayan for Avram Avinu. And he had a yeshiva. And he had Balchuvas. And he had his family. And he had everything. And Hashem said, get up now. Now. And leave. And he didn't say why. Unbelievable. You want to see a Balchuvas? He didn't say why. Why? I have yeshiva. Maybe. Maybe I misunderstood you. He never asked why. That was Avram Avinu. In any Nisoyan, Akedah, Sitzchah, whatever. You have a right to ask. You have a right to ask why. He never asked why. And Hashem didn't tell him his destination. Didn't tell him how it's going to end up. That's what we have to learn from this week's passage. That's what we have to learn from Avraham Avinu. There's a subject, and it's late, but there's a subject matter that I want to pick on. Out of, I'm, I'm finished with my politics. That I want to pick on um, in this week's parsha, Something that I never really spoke about. And it's the subject of a person named Eliezer. Now, Eliezer was Avraham Avinu's Eved. And... Eliezer was the grandson of Canaan. Okay? Canaan had a grandson. Last week's parasha, he was cursed. Chum was cursed. Actually, Canaan was cursed. And that he will have children and they will be slaves. Eliezer was the grandson of Canaan, according to this Medrash. And he did something very brilliant. And it says... That he was extremely, Eliezer was extremely smart. What was smart about Eliezer? What was smart about Eliezer was the following. He knew that his grandfather was cursed, that he's going to become an Evet. And he knew that the curse was going to come true. Now the question is, why didn't Noah curse the person who did it? Why didn't he curse Chum? He cursed Canaan. Canaan didn't do anything. Ham is the one who saw his father undressed, told his brothers, did what he did, and then covered him. That's what Ham did. Wakes up Noach. What does Noach say? Cursed is Canaan. What do you want from Canaan? Right? What do you want from Canaan? He didn't do anything. So the, t- the answer is because Hashem gave Noach a bracha. Uh, Hashem gave Noach a bracha and his sons. And once he got a bracha, he couldn't be cursed. So, being that Chum got a bracha, he couldn't be cursed. So, who got cursed? His child. Now, listen to this brilliance, and I think we need to use this um, in our lives. So, he knew that 
he was going to become a slave. So what did he do? He said to himself like this, I could become a slave to some who knows what, right? He's going to beat me and he's going to treat me like a slave. Why don't I go to Avraham and voluntarily become his slave? He's not going to beat me. He's going to treat me well. And it says that Eliezer became the Rosh Hashiva of Avraham Avinu's Yeshiva. Yeah, Eliezer was Canaan's grandson. That's why it says in the post, it says Eliezer is Canaan. Eliezer Canaan. So he knew that he would have to become a slave. So he picked Avraham Avinu and he became the slave of Avraham Avinu. So, Rav Shadron says, very, very fascinating. He says, and, and I have to repeat to you a story that my, my Rebbe, by the way, my Rebbe, to, Rebbe gets a model to Rabbi Gamliel, that um, he's in, in Yeshiva Shar Shemayim, so there are many Rosh Hashivas. And there was a Rosh Hashiva of all of them, the head Rosh Hashiva, and he passed away this year, a few months ago. And this week they made Rabbi Gamliel, who's very young, they made him the Rosh Hashiva of all the Rosh Hashivas in Yeshiva Shaya Shemayim, which is like the Rosh Mekubalim in Yerushalayim, which is a very big thing. Of course, he would say it's nothing, and nah, I don't know what you're talking about, but he's a very big man, and he became a very big man. Anyway, I'll tell you a story that happened with, with, with me and him. So, I came to him, and I, this was a, when I first started on Nava, maybe two, year, two years ago, three years ago. <laughs> And, you know, a lot of things come by me, a lot of very sad stories. I hear a lot of very sad stories a lot of the time. And uh, I'm human, and it hurts. And there are many times that I'm up 3, 4 o'clock talking to girls, even on the street. And it's very hard. It's physically very hard. And I complained to him. I talked to him openly, and I said, all this pain, I, uh, you know, it's a lot of pain. All these stories I have to listen to, it's, it's hard. It's very hard. And, and I don't get much sleep. And, and, you know, it's hard physically. And he said to me, when a person's born, they write how much pain you're going to have during your life. They also say how much sleep you're going to have during your life. He says, if, if you volunteer to take the pain of others on you and to stay up at night to help others, then they accept in Shemayim what you, what you volunteer. But if you don't volunteer, they're going to give you your own pain. And Chatz you'll have pain from your own children. Better to have pain and to help other people's children than your own children. So that is your choice. Eliezer knew that he was going to be a slave. But a slave to who? So he went ahead and volunteered to become a slave. When my father was sick, Allah Shalom, he had cancer, and I used to stay up all night with him. It's not easy to watch a father die, that's for sure. And it was very hard. For th- he, he, he was sick for three months. And I was the night shift. And I remember about two months into his sickness, he already just gone into a coma. So I was up all night and I, and I came to shul. And one of my, I had, saw one of my Talmudim. And he looked like Mamish. The end of the world happened to him. And this is a guy who was always camped. And he was like disheveled. He looked terrible. And I went over to him and I said, I'll call him Maish. His name was Maish. What, what, what's going on with you? He says, you know, I always wanted a child, but Rebbe... This kid, he's, he's so gazzy and, and, and I'm up a whole, he's crying a whole night. 
I'm, I'm walking around with him and I'm burping him and I, I can't, I'm walking into walls, Rebbe. I have to teach in the morning. I can't, I can't do my work. And he was mamish crutching and I wanted to smack him in the face. <laughs> and I turned to him and I said, thank Hashem. See, because I have to be up all night. That's what's written. And you have to be all up, up all night. I'm up all night watching my father die. And you're, you're up all night watching your child cry. I think you should be dancing. What do you complain? I'm out. I want to slap him. It's the greatest thing to be up all night to watch your child cry. What, you want to be up all night and watch someone who's sick? Or you be sick a whole night and that's why you're up a whole night? So a person, even though they have to go through tsaras in their life because that's what's written, because there is no person that doesn't go through tsaras. So you can take on other people's tsaras, you can cry for other people, and then you did your quota. And then you don't have to cry for yourself. So a person who does chesed, and that's what I always talk about, and he always, he always says this to me, Rabbi Gamliel. He says, the person that does chesed is not doing chesed with the other person. He's doing chesed with himself. Because the time that you're giving the other person, that time is not going to be yours anyway. But chas v'shalom, it might not be your time for other reasons that are not good. Here, you're doing great stuff. You're dead tired because you stayed up and you were mavaka with somebody. You gave away all your money or a lot of your money not because, you, have, you know, people say that when they lose their money. It's always after the fact. You know, I, in, the, in the old days, so the gamblers that I used to hang out with. So they lost a lot of money in Atlantic City. So now how do you make yourself feel good? Hey, listen, at least they lost it having fun. If I was supposed to lose this money, I would have had to go to a doctor to lose the money. It would have been much worse. <laughs> Sugar enough. <laughs> Doesn't, didn't say that you had to lose this money. If you go voluntarily to gamble, that money maybe you weren't supposed to lose. Oh, so how could you lose it if you're not supposed to lose it? Because there's a thing called the it's a different share. So, if you have to stay up all night because a child is crying, or you have to stay up all night for a good reason, right? Because you're making, you're making food for Yontif. Don't picture that you're in the kitchen the whole Friday. And you're, you're making food for Yontif. Baruch Hashem, that's what you're using your energy for. You might have to use your energy for things that are not so happy and not so good. And if your tears... Up for crying for other people, then you may not have to cry for yourself. And he always says that to me. He says, stay up. Stay up and kill yourself because you're supposed to do that anyway. And if you're not going to do it for others, you're going to end up having to doing it for yourself or for, for people and your family members, whatever it is. That's not the reason that you should do chesed. But you should understand that when you do chesed, it's not taking away from you. I guess the best story that I ever heard, and it's not a Jewish story, that I ever heard on chesed, there's the famous story of these two guys that get stuck in Alaska, okay? <laughs> That's a different subject. Anyway, stuck in Alaska, and, and their car got stuck in the middle of a big snowstorm, and they're freezing to death. And when a person never freezes to death, they get, become very tired and very sleepy, and they fall asleep, and then that's it, they're done. So they have these two guys that are in the car, and one of them's falling asleep. And his friend knows that if I let him fall asleep, he's finished. He'll, he'll never get up again. So he starts to rub his hands and to rub his back 
to get the circulation, to get his friend's circulation. And he's mamish working on him. He's rubbing his back. He's like, we gotta bend your knees. And he's working and he's sweating and, you know, he's working on his friend. He's mamish sweating in this freezing thing. You know, you gotta stay up, you gotta stay up. And he works on him for two hours. And now he's really falling. He's, he's, he's losing him. And all of a sudden, an emergency vehicle pulls up and they're saved. And they're brought to the hospital. And his friend is like in a semi-coma because he was like in and out the whole time. And they bring him into the emergency room. And the guy that was doing all the work on him, he's fine. He's comfortable. He's right. He's sitting right outside. Anyway, the doctor walks out after 45 minutes, walks over to the guy and says, he had a little frostbite. He lost one toe. It's not just a piece of his toe. It wasn't that bad. And otherwise, he's perfectly, he's up and he's perfectly healthy. And this guy turns to the doctor and says, are you gonna, are you, are you gonna put me in the newspaper tomorrow? I mean, I sat for two hours, I saved my friend. And the doctor looks at him and says, what are you talking about? Your friend saved you. He says, what are you talking about? He said, if you wouldn't have been working on him for those two hours, you would have also frozen to death. That is the best story I ever heard on Chesed. Because you think that you're giving away from yourself to help someone else, that's what's keeping you alive. What you're doing for the other person, it's very nice. But what you're doing for yourself is much more. That's chesed. That was something that Abraham Avinu, this week's parasha, talks about. Abraham Avinu understood that something that Saddam totally, totally did not understand. Okay, I want to end with a story. Because Lech Lecha talks about leaving your stuff behind. Your behaviors behind. He says a story like this. It's a very deep story. This is from the same book that I read by um, Avina Malkenu, the first story that I read, which I really never explained, which one day I will explain to you, because I was in a little bit of a rush. I had a time period, but tonight I don't. So I'm going to tell you just a short story from the Sipure Maisiois. And he says the following. He says there was a story of a, of a rabbi, a Rav Echad, very deep story, who didn't have any children. And then finally he had one child, a Ben Yochim, one child. And he grew up, and this was, of course, the apple of his father's eye. He only had one son. Now, this boy was a very big tzaddik, and he would sit and learn in the attic by himself. And he would daven, and he would learn. But he felt that there was something missing in him. As much as he would daven, and as much as he would learn, he felt there was a chisarain. There was there's just something about me that I'm not happy with. And he heard... And he, and, he, and he told this to some people in shul, like, I'm learning and I'm davening, but I'm not getting it. It's just, it's not happening. So they told him that there's a huge tzaddik, huge tzaddik in a different town. And go to that tzaddik, and he can fix anything. He's a big Baal Kabbalah, he's a makubo, he's a tzaddik, he can fix anything. Okay? So the young boy goes to his father, and he tells his father, Dad... I just, I'm not fulfilled. I'm just, there's something missing in my learning, in my davening. I want to go to this tzaddik. So he says to him, He said, What are you going to go to this tzaddik? Aren't you a bigger tzaddik than the tzaddik? You're greater than him. Why would you go to him? He can't help you. You could help him. He said, That's not a good idea to go. You know, don't do it. Okay, so he stopped his son from going. And the son said, okay, you're right. You know what, maybe I won't go, Dad. I'm going to go back to learn. He went back up to learn and didn't go. He just felt there was something missing. So 
He went back to the people. He said, what should I do? They said, listen, you're not going to be able to fix this unless you go to the Tzadik. He went back to his father. And his father said, what? You need the Tzadik. What does he know? He doesn't know nothing. You know more. This went on and on and on and on. Of course, all of us understand that the reason he didn't want his son to go to the Tzadik was because he was scared that something would happen on the way. And he would lose his only son. It was selfish reason. Totally selfish reason not letting this boy go, which is a different subject. It's a parenting class. That sometimes as parents, we make up reasons that we don't want our children to to go places. And really, it's not about their growth that we're worried about or anything else. It's just that we're very selfish and we want them home. And sometimes, sometimes it's not good for the child. So as parents, and that's something we can talk in a parenting class, sometimes the parent has to step aside and actually look at the child and say, forget about me right now, what's good for her? That's a separate subject. But this father didn't do that. And he continuously and continuously shut his son down and didn't let him go. Anyway, finally, the son was so unhappy that the father said, okay, this is the deal. You can go, but I go with you. Okay. And, I'm sorry, and the father said, now this is, this I get with Shidukim all the time, the father said, I'm just turning it off, I'm not looking who's calling. Oh boy, there you go. (laughs) She's going to be insulted. Anyway, so, listen to what the father said. The father said, this is the deal. We're going to start going, and if something happens, like the wheel of the wagon falls off, or there's a storm, then it's minashamayim, no, we're not supposed to go. We'll turn around. Now, I had this with a, a shidduch, with a, a girl and a boy, must have been four years ago, where these two were going out, and they really, really liked each other very much. But whatever could go wrong, he was a little bit of a shlamazel anyway, but whatever could go wrong, you know, went wrong. They parked. The first time he took her out, they parked, towed the car. <laughs> he had no money on him. She had the credit card. She had to get the car out of the path. The next time he could, he, he, he parked the car in the lot, right? And took the keys with him. And he ended up blocking the whole lot, right? Where they had to take a tow car. I mean, whatever a shlamazel could be, what a shlamazel could be. You understand? They had, a, they had tickets to a baseball game. It got rained out. So, this girl told her friends, like, I really like this guy, but you know, a baseball game is rained out. His car gets towed. And, and like, and, and they were finally really about to get engaged and her mother didn't, they, they, they didn't agree on this and they didn't agree on that and they finally agreed on that and the father's got involved. So she went to her best friends because who's your coach? Girls, when you're dating, it's your best friends, right? Forget about asking anybody, you know, that has any experience. You ask your 18 year old friend who doesn't want you to get married because she's not married. Okay, a different subject. Different discussion. Different discussion. That's a different discussion. Okay, so you ask your friend. So what is her, Big godless friends tell her, listen, you can see from Shemayim that this is not supposed to work. If it was supposed to work, right, it wouldn't have rained, right? And all the other stuff with your parents wouldn't have happened. And therefore, it's a simon men of Shemayim. Hashem doesn't want this. So they came to me, she came to me to tell me with him together that as much as they like each other, they, she feels that her friends told her that this is a simon men of Shemayim. And are you allowed to break it up if it's a simon men shemayim? Is that enough of a basis to break it up? And I'm like, was it like a bezdin of your friends? Was it like three of them or 71 of them? Like, how many did you ask? I said, I'll tell you, I have a totally different opinion. I'm going to tell you my opinion. I think the two of you are going to get married. And I think you're going to have a son. 
And I think that son is going to be the biggest Gadol Hadar in Klai Yisrael. And I think the Satan knows this. And I think the Satan is going to make sure your car gets towed, it rains, he can do whatever he wants to make sure you don't get married. So you know what? If everything went smoothly, I would say it's the wrong Shidduch. Being that everything is going crazy, not good, she, he's the one. <laughs> Baruch Hashem, they're married, they have children. And Baruch Hashem, she wasn't silly enough to listen to her friends. And yes, <coughs> things that come hard and come with a lot of trepidation are things that are usually good. But Rav Aaron Cutlow, when he used to go collect tzedakah, so my stepfather, Rabbi Bunim, used to go with him. And, and he was sitting outside, a man made Rav Aaron Cutlow wait for four hours. For four hours in the waiting room. While he let all the painters in and the, and the, and the truckers, and he was running a business and all that. And, Rav Aaron, and finally Rabbi Bunim turned around to Rav Aaron and said to Rav Aaron, this is not Kavad Torah that you should sit here. And Rav Aaron said that from the day that the Luchos were broken, Torah kimt mit shverkeit. Torah comes hard. And therefore, if he took me in right away and wrote me a $10 million check, then I'm running a theological reform seminary. But if you're running a yeshiva that people are learning Torah, you're going to have to go to this one, and he's going to embarrass you, then you have to go to that one. So when things go too smoothly, where's the satan? Why isn't he worried about this? You understand? When you get into your car... When I go to Shear at night, to my, my rough Shear, and I get into my car, and it starts, and nobody blocked my driveway, and every stop sign I come to, there's no other cars, and the lights are all green, guess what? I walk in, oh, Rav's not giving Shear tonight. <laughs> when you get out, and you go into your car, and then you remember you left your keys inside, then you come back out, you took your wife's keys by accident, you gotta go back in, then you try to pull out, there's two cars blocking you, and then you get to the first block, and there's a hundred buses all of a sudden, going down Avenue J, and it takes you 40 minutes to go five blocks, you know that only is he rough giving share, but he's giving the most amazing share. Because the satan doesn't, gets in the way. And he puts stumbling blocks when things are good. So this man came up with this brilliant idea, the opposite. This father said, if something happens, that means that, that means Hashem doesn't want you to meet this rabbi. It's an amazing story. So what happens? They start, they start to go. And he says, well, okay, we're gonna see what happens. If it's Minash Shemayim. They come to a, they come to a bridge, a Geshe Katana bridge, right? And when they get to the bridge, one of the horses that's pulling the wagon falls. And the Merkava, the, the wagon, turns over and falls into the dirt. So the father said, I see that we did what we were supposed to, right? And Hashem and Hashemayim is showing us that it's not good for us. It's a very scary story. The Chazru. They went back home. So the boy said, okay, then. Went back to learn. No, it wasn't happening. Went back to his father and said, Dad, I, I have to go to this man. Father said, okay, we'll try it one more time. And they said, if, the father said, if I see something this time, have it, it's, that's it, finished. No, they, they started to travel. And I don't know, the wagon's connected by these two pieces of wood that's connected to the horses, whatever it is. And they're going. And what happens? They break. Right? And the father says, you see, we're driving this wagon all our life. It never broke. Now it broke. And they go back home. Okay, we're not going to do this very much longer. So... It continues, he's still not feeling well, and his father said, okay, this is the last time that we're going. Listen to what happens. He said, the father says, the horse fell, the wood broke. He says, you're not getting the picture, but um, we'll try one more time. So now they're on their way, and it's nighttime, and they come to an inn and a place to sleep. And they're sitting at the table, and at the table sitting them a merchant. And they didn't tell them where they were going, right? 
because he didn't want to, he didn't even, this father didn't even want to tell somebody that they were going to some Makubal. You know, everybody laughed. Makubal, you knew Makubal. So he didn't want to tell anyone. So they were talking about the world. They were talking about all kinds of things. Anyway, and somehow they got to the subject about the tzaddik that they're going to. So this man, this merchant says to the father and the son, oh, that rabbi, I'm just coming from that rabbi. He's Kalhu. He's he's nothing. He's a nobody. He's a fake. He um, he does have Aries. He's a sinner. Oh, says the father. You see? I was right when I told you not to go to him. He says, why would this merchant lie? Okay, he just came from there, so they went home. And the boy came home, and he got sick, and he died. Now listen to the end of the story. It's amazing. This is an amazing safer. So in a, in a dream, in a dream, the boy came to his father. And the father saw that the boy was looking at his father very angry with a big kas. And he asked his son in the dream that had died, What are you so angry about? The Heshav and he said to him, I wanted to go to that tzaddik. No, sorry. He said, you go to that tzaddik, the one that we wanted to go to, you go to bekas, and he'll tell you why I'm angry. And the father woke up. And he didn't believe the dream, and he went back to sleep, and he had the same dream. No. So, he goes to the tzaddik, listen carefully. And he says the following. He says, the tzaddik says, do you know who it was that you met in that inn, that merchant that you were talking to? And he says, I don't know, who was he? He says, that was the satan. He said, and the satan, actually, I'm sorry, the satan comes to, tells the father this. He says, I was the one that was the merchant. He said, I was the one who tripped your horses. I was the one who broke the wood. I'm the guy behind all this. And he said, now, listen to this, the sultan says, now you could go to the rabbi. Because now I'm not worried anymore. So he asked him, what were you worried about, sultan? And this is what he said. If your son would have gotten together with that rabbi, they would have brought Mashiach. They cave in Shepatati, I said to Rashael and And now that I stopped you, stopped your son from going, and now that your son is not alive anymore, you can go because you can't bring Mashiach. And the father began to scream, Chaval, 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 that I didn't listen to my son. This is, what's going on over here? What's going on over here in this story? So I'm just going to tell you a very fast translation, and I'll tell you what's going on here. The father in the story is your brain. The child in the story is your neshama. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Your neshama is never happy. This is so true. Your neshama is never happy. I'm not close enough to Hashem. Something's bothering me. You know, this, this, this kid that I'm dealing with right now, he, he's like into that money. Money can buy him happiness. And, and, 
And, and he's learning that, you know, no matter what he buys with his money, it doesn't buy him happiness. And we're always, we're missing, as Jewish people, we're, we're missing something. The dress and the money and the husband and the children and everything that we have. But we need that connection to God. And if we don't have that connection to God, we're missing something. Listen, this is amazing. So he says that the story is about your head, right? The child is your neshama. And the rabbi on the other side of the bridge is God. And your neshama is bothering something. And you tell your goof, you tell your father, that's the father in the story, you tell your goof, right? I need to get closer to Hashem. I, I, I'm not happy. I, I, I'm asking myself, why am I not happy? And they're telling me because you're not close to Hashem. That's what we talked about tonight. About voting. Who cares about voting? There's one president in the world. And that's a Kodesh Baruch That's it. And you can't vote for him. He doesn't need your vote. He's proven. There's one president. You can vote, schmote, and, and do whatever you want. God runs the world. Finished. End of case. And therefore, we feel we're missing something. So we say, Daddy... Brain, goof, body. I want to get close to Hashem. And the body tells the neshama, what are you talking about? You need God? You got music, you got drugs, you got alcohol, you got boys, whatever makes you happy, I don't know. You got all the stuff the body, the body tells the neshama. You don't need to go. Okay, the neshama says, you're right, you're right, okay. Let's go, let's go rent another DVD, you're right. Forget about it, nothing's bothering me. But then at the end of the DVD, <laughs> You're like, I'm still missing Hashem. I'm still not happy. All right, let's go get some pizza. And then after the pizza, oh no, I'm on the scale. Now I'm not happy about that either, right? And, 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 and you keep trying. And you keep trying, but the father, the goof, the body, what a story, keeps telling you. But you see, you try to get close to Hashem and you went to seminary and you gave everything up and your friend, right, who didn't go to seminary, she got married and you did it. So what do you learn from that? Better not have to go to seminary. <laughs> the wagon broke. I'm trying to do the right thing. Right? I'm earning money honestly, and I can't pay my bills. And that guy knows a Ghanaf. He steals all the time. Look at him in his Lexus, and his, he's got three maids. Right? The wagon is broke. Let's go back. Let's go back to the way I was. And this continuously happens and continuously happens. And in the end, you find out that who's bra- who's doing all this stuff? Yitzhahara. It's the Yitzhahara that's doing all this stuff. And once the Neshama leaves the goof girls, then the Yitzhahara doesn't worry anymore, just like in the story. Once the boy is pulled to Shemayim, then he says, now you can do whatever you want, goof. You're in the ground. Do whatever you want. You can't bring Mashiach. But if you would have crossed the bridge, and you would have gone to the rabbi, and you would have gone to God, the two of you together, you and him together, you and the Shaman and Hashem together, would have brought Mashiach. It's the whole story. Amazing story. And a person, through their whole life, this is what's going on. And we keep questioning, and I had it this week, and I'm not even, maybe I'll talk about it next week, with a girl who came to prove me that there is no God. What a joke. She came to prove me, an 11th grader, Beisakov girl, that she just fell out of the whatever it is, but not based on whatever, it doesn't make a difference. She's going to prove me that there is no God. I was like, yeah, this is going to be fun. It didn't last more than three minutes. I asked her one question. I said, how long you got problems with God? Since ninth grade. I said, so you met him in ninth grade? She goes, who? 
I said, the boy that you met because you had to get rid of God. He said, Makubo, you, you, read, ah, you read my eye? I'm like, come on. What are you thinking? We're stupid? Of course you know there's a God. You have to get rid of him. So you met the boy in ninth grade. So this, for the last two years, you're having questions. You're having questions. And when people have problems in their life, and they're trying to... Listen, many, any Baal Tshuva you'll talk to will tell you that after they became a Baal Tshuva, life, mamish, fell like you won't believe it. I lost my money. I lost my job. I got sick. You'll see it all the time. And you say, well, how could that be? You should be, you should be everything should be getting much better. Because the Satan's breaking the wagon wheel. He wants you to say... This must be wrong. I don't want to go. I want to go back. I want to go back to what I was. So this story is a person's life. So forget about elections. You want to bring Mashiach? Everybody's walking around. It's Mashiach's time. How do you bring Mashiach? This is the most beautiful story. Go across the bridge and be miyached, misyached. Become one. Join. Be alone with the Kodesh Baruch And if it's hard to get there and you trip along the way, and things are going wrong in your life, that's a sign you're going in the right direction. Because the one that's tripping you is the Sahara. So therefore, maybe there is something in that this is the times of Mashiach. Because things are not going well. And maybe we should learn Tzchus in That the reason they didn't think Mashiach was coming five years ago when things were going well, because when things are going well, it means the Sahara is not worried. If it was Mashiach's time, why wouldn't the Sahara? Be worried. Now things are not going so well. People are asking questions. How could this happen? What's going on? We have yeshivas. We have kailels. We have dafyoimi. How could this happen? Maybe that's the trip. That's the wagon that's broken. That's the that's the Yitzhara. And if things are not going so well, maybe that's takaluraya. That this is the times of Mashiach. May taka be true. May we all see v'vias and Mashiach from Harry. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.